Well, we have such a privilege tonight, our wonderful young adults leader and pastor, Andrew Namath, is going to be bringing us the word, so why don't, yes, 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 oh, we can do better than that, come on. I'm so blessed to be Andrew's friend and to have gotten to know him and Luna this past year and just working alongside each other. And, uh, and I just want to testify before you guys, this is a man of God. This is a man who is seeking the Lord in his personal life with his family and is leading his family well. And we are just blessed to have him in our midst. And so can I just pray for you before you give the word? Can we all just stretch out our hand to Andrew? Lord, we just testify to the grace of God that is active and that is living in Andrew's life. And Lord, right now we just ask for not eloquence of words, though you have gifted him in communication, but we ask you for demonstrations of power. We ask you for clarity on his mind, Lord, as he teaches. We ask you, Lord, that you would give us hearts to receive your word that you have placed inside Andrew Namath. And we thank you for his ministry in this church. And we just bless him as he brings forth your word from 1 Corinthians. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Thank you. Excellent. Well, as uh, Pastor Marcus alluded, we are, we've been studying 1 Corinthians uh, the last several weeks in here. If you're new to joining us on Wednesday nights, welcome. Uh, we've done a, a deep dive into 1 Corinthians and, uh, and later on, we'll get to 2 Corinthians, but we just really feel like the Lord has something for our church out of these two books. Paul is writing to a, an early New Testament church and, and writing to them to help set some things straight and to encourage them in some areas, and we feel uh, that there are some lessons to be learned from that as we prepare for the next thing that God has called us to. And so we aren't in a rush to breeze through these books at all, to check them off and say, well, we taught those, what's the next fun series that we can jump into? Instead, we are really soaking up all the wisdom and, and the instruction that's in there for us. And so tonight, um, I've, I've picked out a, a few passages from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and chapter 2 that I'm going to sort of tie together to, to get an overarching idea, uh, and I hope that you'll... Uh, You'll learn with me as, as we read through this together. So our, our first passage is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, when we're going to start in verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, and it begins like this. It says, I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you, now that you belong to Christ Jesus. Through him, God has enriched your church in every way with all your eloquent words and all of your knowledge. This confirms what I told you about Christ is true. And now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says and he has invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Isn't that encouraging? It's just a handful of verses, but when you read it, there's so much in there that we can unpack, and that's what we're going to do tonight. Um, I'm excited to get to share with you what the Lord's put on my heart, and so um, I just pray that he gives me the grace to do that well for you all. 
Uh, I'm, I'm very excited not only because I get to share with you guys tonight, but I'm also excited, um, kind of a personal note, my birthday is, in less, is just a, a week away, and already the presents have started to come. And I'm very excited, uh, that mostly about that. The, turning a year older is whatever. But when you start getting gifts, it's like, oh, that's fun. And so today my wife actually um, got me this uh, like little tumbler thing that you'll see me drinking out of. And so I'm, I'm excited about that. I, I haven't always been a gifts person. There, um, there's a book about five love languages. And when you go through uh, relationship counseling or premarital counseling, a lot of times they'll bring those up because it's super helpful to know your love language and other people's love language. And I haven't always been a gifts person, but I think lately I've become more of a gifts person. Um, I, and I think part of that, I was thinking about that earlier as I was putting this together. Why, why now? And I, I think what it is, when I was in college, I thought I was broke um, but really, I didn't have many expenses, like school and tuition and, uh, and, and like my housing and, and food and all that stuff was paid for. I was scholarship, and so that was a huge blessing. And so I only had a handful of expenses that I had to pay for. And so even though I didn't make a lot, I didn't have to stretch it very far. Now, I make more than I did back then, but I have to stretch it way farther. And so when someone gives me something and I think, I didn't have to buy this for myself? Like, that is such a nice concept, and that's so great. So I really love it. And so I'm becoming slowly more of the gifts person as I get older and there's more bills and, and more places that you have to make the money stretch. Um, but on the concept of gifts, I was thinking about some of those gifts that you give to people and they don't end up using them. And that's always a huge bummer, especially if you are a big gifts person. My wife is a huge gifts person. And so there are times that she will pick out the perfect gift and then she'll give it to someone and they don't really like see the value in it and they don't use it and, and it sort of falls short and it's like, oh, well. Should have given that to me. And, uh, and so there, there are those moments that that happens. Her, her granddad uh, was getting a little bit older, and her father, who lives in, Texas, in Dallas, in Texas, would go and visit him in El Paso. And the first couple times he, he was over there, he was noticing that, like, Grandpa was misplacing the remote. As he was getting older, it was harder to remember, where did I put that thing? He'd set it down somewhere and, and walk off and forget that he says there. And, uh, and it wasn't that big of a deal, it's just a remote, but it started to become an inconvenience because you'd walk into the house and the, the TV would be so loud. And he, Grandpa, why is the TV so loud? I can't find the remote. And it's, it's like, okay. And you can just jump up and turn it down on the actual television, but even a young person doesn't want to do that, and the older you get, the less you want to like spring up off of the couch and to run up to the TV and change it. And so those times when the commercials come on and they're like twice as loud as the show, those were happening. Grandpa, turn it down. I don't know where the remote's at. Okay. And then you walk in and, Grandpa, why are you watching this? You don't even like the show. I can't find the remote. <laughs> and so he'd just sit there and watch like whatever's on TV because he couldn't find the remote. So uh, Luna's father got smart. He's like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. The old remote had 100 buttons of which you only needed five of them. We're going to get rid of that thing because it's already lost and I'll buy him this new remote. And so he set out to buy him a new remote, but not just any remote. He got him one of those really big, like, like humorously sized TV remotes that only has like four or five buttons, power on, volume up down, channel up down. That's all you need. Like that is it. And so he got that and he gave it to, to grandpa. And we thought for sure, like this would be great. It's too big to lose. It's, it's so simple. It, you know, it's not hard to figure out. And we thought this will solve all of everyone's problems, not just for grandpa, but us too. Like we're going to enjoy this more too. And so, uh, so Frank went back home to Dallas. And then a few months later, went back to El Paso and, he's, and he said, uh, Dad, like, are you using the new remote I got you? He says, no, I, I'm not using it. And it was still in the packaging. Like, he hadn't even opened it up. He hadn't done anything with it. It was just there. And it was like, 
And, and the same problems persisted. The TV was too loud. It was on a channel he didn't care for, watching a show that he didn't even like. Well, why don't you change it? Ah, I can't find the remote. It's like, the remote's right here in the box. And, and it was this thought that, that resonated with me. It would be better for all of us if you just use the gift I got you. It would be better for all of us if you just use the gift I got for you. But this wasn't just Luna's grandfather. My grandparents did a similar thing. I grew up in the Dallas area of Texas, and my parents lived in Detroit and Michigan. And um, in, during this time, my parents didn't want to fly the whole family back home to see grandma and grandpa, so we'd drive. And it's a 19-hour drive. And with young kids in a pre, like, before cars had movies in them and iPads and Wi-Fi hotspots, and before all of that, 19 hours in a car with kids was a lot of work. So at most, we did it once a year. And there were some years that we skipped it. And my grandparents were getting to an age where they didn't want to make the 19-hour car ride either, but they had had a bad experience with a flight. They didn't understand that you have to come early and check bags, and you can't have certain things, and your bags can't weigh too much, and there's a lot of security, and sometimes there's delays, and all this. And so they missed one flight on one trip the first time they tried to fly to Dallas, and my grandmother just swore off flying ever since then. And bless her heart, she could hold a grudge like a vice grip. And so when she was like, I'm done with it, it was more of like, all right, Grandma, well, I guess we'll see you when we come visit because there was just, they weren't going to drive and now she had sworn off flying and so they weren't coming to Texas anytime soon. So we were only seeing grandparents once a year. We'd make the 19-hour drive up there. My dad, who worked nights, would, uh, would work all night and then we'd get up early in the morning and we'd set off driving and then we'd drive all through the day and we'd be exhausted and then we'd continue to drive through the night, and my sister and I would lay down in the back of a, of a big station wagon, back before like, we knew how important seatbelts were, and, uh, and we'd just sleep in the back while my parents continued to drive seemingly forever. And then we'd arrive, and everyone was tired and cranky and uncomfortable, and it just wasn't great. So we didn't make the trip a lot. And around this same time, broadband and DSL was becoming a lot more available, uh, readily available, cheaper, faster, better. And so my parents thought, oh, let's go in with some of the other extended family and we'll buy the grandparents like a webcam and we'll get them a Skype account and we'll buy them some internet and then we can like what now we call FaceTime, but we could like Skype video back and forth and they'll be able to see the grandkids and we'll be able to like, it's like being there but without the 19 hour drive one way. And so everyone thought this was a great idea. And so my uncle who lived in the area uh, went by the house for my grandparents got the internet installed, like met the cable guy, get all, did all this stuff, bought the computer, set up the computer, installed the webcam, and then uh, we tried to call him, and they didn't understand how it worked. And so my Uncle Frank went out there again and tried to walk him through, did a quick tutorial, like this is what you do, you sign on like this, these are your username and passwords, wrote them down right where they could find them, and they still wouldn't log in, they didn't like how to use it. They were kind of afraid of the new technology. They were nervous that people were going to watch them in their house, so they'd always, like, power it down. But because it was powered down, like, we couldn't call them. And so it was this weird, so we'd have to, like, call them on the phone. Hey, can you turn your computer on and sign in? Ah, oh, that's too much work. We're already talking to you. And it's like, yeah, but the kids want to see you. And it was this whole thing. And it, and it boiled down to this, this idea of we need you to use the thing that Uncle Frank set up for you. Like, it was a gift for you, but it was really for the grandkids because we wanted to see them and wanted to be able to show them the things that we were doing and the sports that we were playing and all that. And it was, this is a gift for you, but we really need you to use the thing that Uncle Frank set up for you. But I don't want to just pick on, on old people and their <laughs> resistance 
to technology. Young people do this too. Uh, car manufacturers have done a fantastic job of giving us the gift of this little tiny light that will, that will signal to other vehicles what we intend to do. And young people, for one reason or another, uh, refuse to use it. I think it's because we try to do way too much. We juggle our coffees and our avocado toast and our texting while trying to drive through school zones, and it is dangerous and it's terrible and we shouldn't do it, and yet we find ourselves doing it. And so when it comes time to signal and blink, our hands are too full with things that we don't even necessarily need to signal to other drivers what, what our intentions are. And I've been on the receiving end of this more times than I, than I wish, um, specifically when I'm on that stretch of 25 where there's like a billion lanes wide, and I'm thinking, I'm going to move to the left lane so I don't get stuck in this exit only. And someone two lanes to my left is thinking, I'm going to move to the right lane, but only one of us is telling the other person what we're going to do. And so inevitably, two cars will try to merge into the same lane at the same time, one of them knowing, I'm going to do this, and signaling. The other one just knowing, I'm going to do this, but I'm not going to tell anyone. And, uh, and physics has taught us that two objects cannot occupy the same space at the same time. And so that's, that's a bad idea. But it would be solved if someone used their blinker. But that gift that auto manufacturers gave to us of the ability to signal without even making a sound, like it's so convenient. You just, your hand's already here, just move it like that. That's all you got to do. And for some reason, that is too much to ask of some people. And I'm not here to judge, but I just, I wish that they would use it more often than not. And yet it boils down to this thought again of we'd all be a lot better off if you'd use the gift that was given to you. Auto manufacturers gave you this gift of a signal, of a blinker, and we'd all be a lot safer. We'd all be a lot happier, definitely happier. Have you ever sat there waiting at an intersection? You see a car coming, you're like, okay, I don't want to be the jerk who pulls out in front of them. I'll wait. And then they slow down, and then they turn, and you're like, I waited for you, and you didn't signal for me. And, it's, and it just, it kind of burns at you, and you're like, that's what I get for being nice. And then you make your turn like a good driver. Uh, we'd all be a lot better off if you'd use the gifts that was given to you. And I think Paul, addressing the early church in 1 Corinthians, has kind of a similar sentiment. Maybe not as jaded as the driver who's upset by other drivers who don't use their signal light, but still a similar sentiment nonetheless. He, he writes this as we revisit this first passage in chapter 1. He says, I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you. Now that you belong to Christ Jesus. Through him, God has enriched your church in every way, with all of your eloquent words and all of your knowledge. This confirms that what I told about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on that day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this, for he is faithful to do what he says, and he has invited you into partnership with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Some context for this passage Paul wasn't just writing to the church leaders, and Paul himself, who had helped launch this church, wasn't just writing to his, you know, to the guys that he had set up in command to take over for him when he passed the baton. It wasn't just a, uh, a pastor's conference, and this was his keynotes for it. It was, this was a letter that was going to be read from the front to the entire congregation, and so it wasn't addressed to just the leaders. It was addressed to the entire church and to the entire church of that city, not just like one small house church that was really on fire and charismatic and moving in the gifts. It was, this was for all of us. And we see that in the beginning. I always thank God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you now that you belong to Christ Jesus. So the, 
the qualification for this receiving a gift was you belong to Jesus. You, you're saved. You believe. You, you, said the, you said the prayer. You got Jesus living inside of you, Holy Spirit inside of you, and now you have received a gift. And he goes on that God has enriched not my church, not Paul, the senior leader who planted the church, saying God has enriched my church with your gifts. It's God has enriched your church with all of your gifts. And it's a beautiful picture that what we see when we break this passage apart, instead of just reading through it or flying by and getting to the good stuff, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, there's a bunch of great ones that we can skip to. But when we pause and reflect on this one, we understand that Paul is encouraging us, all of us, not just church leadership or church staff, he's encouraging all of us that we've been given gifts. Not just a gift, not just like we've all been given salvation, but we've been given gifts, plural. And he goes on and he hints at some of them now, and then later on in the chapters we'll see that he gets really into depth about all, all the many gifts. But he says, you have every spiritual gift you need, and God is faithful to do what he says, and he has invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. This isn't just spectating what the staff does on a Sunday morning. This is all of us together are the body of Christ, his hands and his feet, and we've been given gifts to do that really well. So my point number one is, you've been given a gift. God has given each of us a gift as we become the body of Christ, those hands and feet, as we are the church, um, not just attending the church, but becoming the church. We've been given gifts. We have every spiritual gift we need, and together we function as a body. Each of us creating different, a different part of the body. Point number one, you've been given a gift. Point number two, your gift is for others. Like those opening analogies, whether it's a TV remote or a webcam or a blinker turn signal on a car, we've each been given a gift, but really it's not so much for us, it's for those around us. It's for those who are walking into the room and the TV's way too loud, or for those of us who live far away and wish we could be closer, it's for those of us who are trying to merge in traffic and don't want to get sideswiped. It's a gift that has been given to us for someone else. Paul writes about this in chapter 2. In verse 10 through 12, it says, But it was, to, it was to us that God revealed these things by his Spirit. For his Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thought except that person's own spirit, and no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's Spirit, not the world's Spirit, so we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. Here's Here's one of the parts where it gets a little more applicable. A lot of people will agree God has given the church, the body of believers, gifts. And then when it becomes very individualized, we get a little nervous. When we all of a sudden, the, the language instead of God has given the church gifts, when it becomes God has given me a gift, and you can put yourself in, in those shoes, God has given me a gift, all of a sudden it becomes a little more nervous of like, well, what is my gift? And who is it for? And how do I use it? And there's so many questions that come with it. And Paul makes it clear that we have received God's spirit so we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. We know what the gifts are. And that word know is not so much um, head knowledge, but it's experiential knowledge. So it's not just in theory, I have an understanding of what a gift might be that could theoretically be given to someone. It's I know exactly what God created me for, and I'm experiencing it by the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of me. It's a beautiful passage. For me, uh, I'm learning in, in this season that um, there are gifts that God has given me and gifts that God has given my family and gifts that God's have given my wife. Luna up here, I uh, was playing the piano, uh, is my wife. She has a gift of worship. I do not. 
I still worship, don't get me wrong, but I don't sound like an angel or play like a, a master. I, uh, I can plunk along to like the little like, and that's, that's like the extent of it. And I can kind of carry a tune, but if you're in another room and I'm in the shower and like the acoustics are really great. So she has a gift for worship. I do not. But I feel like I've really got a gift for hospitality. I love to cook and to prepare and to host and to serve. My family went on vacation with some of our friends recently. And, um, and my mom, uh, I, I did most of the cooking. I planned all the meals. We got this big cabin out in the mountains. And I planned all the meals and I did all the cooking. There were um, 16 of us. And my mom said towards the end of it, aren't you like tired from all that cooking? Like, aren't you upset that no one helped you? And I said, no, like I, I liked it. But for my mom, she would have dreaded that. Like, she barely cooks for herself, and then it's just like the bare minimum because she knows she has to eat. But she does not enjoy cooking. She hosts in some different ways, but she doesn't enjoy that aspect of it. And I love to, like, cook and serve. And when people enjoy a good meal and afterwards, like, they feel better and look better and are excited to take on the day because of something that I did, that makes me feel great. And so I have a bit of a hospitality gift. And so that's something that, like, the Holy Spirit inside of me is making me aware Uh, It's something that he empowers me to do, but it's also something that he makes me aware of. And so sometimes there are gifts that you are already functioning in, things that you already do. Maybe when someone has a a child or gets sick in the hospital and you get that meal train email and you're like, oh yeah, I'm about to own this. Like maybe that's you and maybe you have this gift and you just weren't aware that that was like a gift and that was a way that you serve the body. Or maybe you have a, a service gift and you've just got a knack for like serving. We have an incredible Wednesday night team that sets up tables and sets out salt shakers and cooks in the kitchen like all day. When I'm coming early on a Wednesday morning, it is already smelling delicious by like 10 in the morning for things that we're going to eat because they are just, they're in there and they're preparing and that is like their service that they do. And so those people are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do it, but they are also have the knowledge that this is their gift. Like, this is one of the things that the Lord has given them to give back to the body of believers. Another gift that I believe I have is a gift of generosity. The Lord has put it on, on my heart and on Luna's heart to live generously this year. And so that is something that we have been, been working hard to do. And, and the Lord has given us a grace to do it, and he's also given us the grace to understand that that's our gift to the body. That it's a gift that he gave to me for others. And so there are gifts that God is giving you for the other people in these rows and in our community. Our church isn't just these four walls, but it's these people. And so as God is giving you a gift for others, it's for the people on your row, but it's for the people in your neighborhood and in your cubicles and in your workspaces and in your community. And we have received God's spirit so we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. Point number three is the Holy Spirit reveals your gift. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, um, Paul references an Old Testament passage that says, who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? And he says, but we actually understand these things for we have the mind of Christ. When Paul says in that first passage that we've been invited into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, one of the gifts is this gift of having the spirit of God inside of us that helps us to think that way. Sometimes when we try to approach this from a natural mindset of what are my gifts, sometimes it makes sense. You like to cook for others? Great. Like hospitality gift? Go and do it. Other times it's a little bit harder and you look at yourself and you say, I don't, I don't know what I have because sometimes what God has for you seems so far ahead. You look at your current situation you think, I don't know how I could do that. I don't know how I could be so bold or so, so daring to, to street witness or how I could just 
walk up to people and have a word of knowledge. I don't know how I could do that. Sometimes the gift that God has given you seems so far out there that we have to think about it with the mind of Christ. That we don't just think about it in our own natural intellect, but we have to think about it with the mind of Christ. And thankfully, we have the mind of Christ because we have the Spirit of God himself living inside of us. And as Paul had written, how can, how can anyone know, their, know someone else's thoughts except for that person's own spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit knows God's thoughts, and when he lives inside of us, we have access to the thoughts of God and to the mind of Christ. And so collectively, we can think differently, and we can think differently about our future, and we can think differently about our giftings. So why did God give me this gift? How do I use it? How does it help the church? Thoughts that maybe in the natural might be hard to answer, but when we put on the mind of Christ, when we access Holy Spirit living inside of us, those questions begin to get answered relatively easily. By spending time in worship, by spending time in the Word, by spending time in prayer, those things begin to get answered. And sometimes answered naturally. Sometimes it's like the cooking or like the giving, and it just becomes an overflow of your time spent with God. But other times it's more intentional. It's more, God, show me what this is. And he gives you a picture or he gives you a word or someone else gives you a word. And, and you begin to work towards that and pray into that. And, and the Lord begins to awaken by his grace and by the powering of the Holy Spirit that gift that's inside of you. That, as I remind you, is not necessarily for us, but for those around us. I picked on old people. Sorry about that. I mentioned the car driving thing. There was one other scenario that I thought of when I thought of gifts that are for us, but not really for us. Um, Luna and I are fairly young, and we've got lots of friends who are engaged or getting married or just got married. And oftentimes when you, when you know a couple or are close friends with someone who's getting married, when they get engaged, someone will throw a shower for the bride-to-be. And at these uh, bridal showers, there's a lot of times that uh, the women will get together and they'll, they'll give gifts. And, and some of, sometimes it's cookware and house goods and stuff. But other times there's some special gifts. And those gifts aren't necessarily for the wife. They're for the husband. But they're for the wife. But they're really for the husband. There are times that we are giving gifts and they're not for us. They're for someone else. And, and I think, and maybe this analogy breaks down, so don't pry into it too hard. But I think... As, as the bride of Christ, we've been given a gift, and how happy would our husband, Jesus, be when we use that gift? How great is it? Like, how happy does it make Jesus when we use the gift that we've been given? So, Grandpa was stubborn. He didn't want to embrace something new. He said, no, I've done it this way for 100 years. He didn't want to admit the fact that he was getting old and maybe needed a larger remote. My grandma was real resistant to something that she didn't understand. She was scared, a little fearful of trying something new of this new technology. What if it breaks or what if I get charged a whole bunch of money or what if someone watches us or still, she was, all the unknown plagued her and the fear kind of shut it off. I'm not going to, I'm not going to Skype with my grandchildren. And the driver was too busy. I've got phone to my ear and my hand on the wheel, and I'm trying to adjust the radio and drive with my knee while I eat and drink my coffee. Too much going on to use a signal light. I don't know what it is that's been holding you back from using the gift that's been given to you. I don't know if it's fear. I don't know if it's stubbornness. I don't know if you're saying, you know what, I've loved Jesus for 50 years, and I've never needed to use my gifts for someone else. I, I understand that. I'm not saying you don't love Jesus, but I'm just saying, what if there's a better way? And if you're scared of what might be, 
how do I reach out to someone that I don't know? Or what if I, I say something to my coworker and they think I'm crazy? And that may be, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure, but I think that God is calling us to do it. And, and sometimes it's, it's not that I don't want to. Sometimes it's not that I'm scared of it. Sometimes it, we just feel too busy. The kids have sports and we're working late and, and then we're doing well just to arrive at church on a Sunday or a Wednesday night, much less like reach out into our communities. I understand life can get really busy, but I want to challenge you to carve out some time to use the gift that God has given you to reach out to someone else. There is so much that your church is counting on you to do. This isn't just like that we've paid a staff and now we've abdicated our role to say, no, 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 like we hired them, they'll do it now. No, 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 this is still like a body thing. All of us together are the church. And as Paul wrote in that first passage, the gifts that were given to your church through your words and through your knowledge, all of you have something beautiful to bring to the body. And maybe you're scared to death to get up here and speak. I get it. That's not for everyone. But there is a role to be played. And there is a gift that you have. And there is something significant that you bring to the table. Not as a spectator, but as a participant. Not as, a, as an observer, but as a family member. There's something beautiful that you can bring to the family table. And we are counting on you to bring it. And so I would encourage you to do that. So as Pastor Marcus comes up, I'm, I want to pray for us that the Lord would move in our hearts. Uh, that he would give us the love to reach out to our neighbors and the grace and the power to do so. So Father God, we love you so much and we thank you for your word. And we pray that as it comes alive tonight, that it would change us from the inside out. Lord, that we wouldn't be beat over the head with it to, to say that we have to perform this duty and this obligation because now we've been told we have to. No, 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 Lord, I pray that it would well up from inside of us a desire to use the gifting that you've given us for those around us. Father, we thank you for how you've gifted each and every one of us, that together we are your body, your hands, your feet, your mouth. Lord, that we would come alongside each other as family to do all that you've called us to do so that our church can thrive for, either, for, the, for your work and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Andrew. Wow, can we just honor Andrew for bringing that word? Thank you. As Andrew was, was speaking, this is how I was feeling the Lord leading us to respond. Um, I'd like us to get into groups of two and three and four, and we're just going to have some time of small group prayer. Um, so if you're with your spouse, maybe that can just be you and your spouse if you want it. If you're with a cluster of guys, like I see over there around Mike, that's your small group right there. You three people. So let's... Um, we don't have to, I mean, we can stand up. Let's stand up and find a small group, and then I'll give us a little bit more instruction once we all get settled. What Andrew said was so powerful that the Holy Spirit reveals to us the giftings that are ours and the Holy Spirit empowers us to walk in our giftings. So first, I just want to kind of, as we're in our small groups, but let's just kind of take this personally. I just want to read through the, there's two passages on gifts in the New Testament, Romans 12, 6 through 8, and 1 Corinthians 12. Um, 8 through uh, 11. 
So I'm just going to read these. I'm just going to ask the Lord. You might know your spiritual giftings, and the Lord might also be calling you into a new gifting that you haven't been operating in, but you feel the leading of the Lord. So let's just close our eyes. Let's dial in with the Holy Spirit. And I'm just going to read these. And I'm going to ask, and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us the giftings he is calling to wa- us to walk in. It says in Romans 12, If you have prophecy, let us prophesy in portion to our faith. Lord, I ask right now that you would reveal those who you have given the gift of prophecy to. Or serving. Lord, I pray that you would reveal if we have the ministry of hospitality or the ministry of serving, you would reveal that to us right now. It says, teaching or exhortation. Lord, I pray that you would confirm in our hearts if you've given us the gift of teaching or the gift of exhorting and encouragement. Mentions the gift of giving here and the gift of leading. Lord, reveal right now if you have given us the gift of giving and the gift of leading. It says, and the one who shows mercy, do it with cheerfulness. Lord, I pray that you would reveal to us you have given us the gift of mercy. It says in 1 Corinthians 12 that there's a gift of the word of wisdom and there's a gift of the word of knowledge. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just reveal to us right now if we have the gift of the word of wisdom, the gift of the word of knowledge. To another, they say they have the gift of faith to another the giftings of healings. Lord, I pray that you would reveal to us if we have the gift of faith and the gift of healing. It says to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, that was also in Romans 8, to another the discerning of spirits, to another tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. Lord, I pray that you would reveal to us the workings of miracles, the gift of the working of miracles, the gift of prophecy, the discerning of spirit, and the interpretation of tongues. And so now, I just want us to spend, we have about three, four, five minutes left in the service. I just want you guys to pray for one another that we would walk with boldness in the giftings that the Lord has given given to us. One, that we would walk in them, and two, that the Lord would give us more opportunity. Can we do that? So now I'm going to stop leading from the front, and you guys just pray for one another. You can just go around and pray individually, pray one at a time, and just ask that the Lord would give you boldness in walking in the giftings He has given you. And that he would also give you opportunity. I find that as I pray for opportunity to be used of the Lord, the Lord actually opens up more doors that he would be glorified with the giftings he's given us. So, Lord, as we pray for one another, we ask you for this empowerment. We ask you that you would reveal and grant wisdom and revelation and give boldness, Lord, in our giftings in Jesus' name.
And why don't you guys just pray with one another?